Good morning. Thank you. It's good to talk to you this morning. It's good to see you. Uh, and it is a joy uh, to get to worship with you. And I'm thankful. Uh, we've already uh, just been challenged through these songs that we're singing uh, to set our sights off of our own lives, off of ourselves, set them on Jesus Christ to return to the, the fountain of living water, as we just sang about, the source of life. And so that's our prayer this morning. And if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, if you don't have one, there's one in the seat back in front of you. And we just want to dive back in, as Pastor Daniel said earlier, to this uh, beautiful book, this letter of Hebrews, uh, written to the saints, written to the church to help us walk in the truth, uh, but not just to walk in the truth in general, to walk in the truth of what it means for Jesus to be better. That he's better than anything this world has to offer. Amen? Let's try that again. He's better than anything this world has to offer. Amen? Thank you. He is better than life itself. He is better than riches. He is better than family. He is the true and better. And so from the beginning of this year, starting in January, we've been looking at how Jesus is better through the book of Hebrews. And we get to continue in that today in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, if you'd read along with me, I would greatly appreciate it. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. I'll pause for a second. You know, anytime we see the word therefore in Scripture, it is a calling to us uh, to remember what was said before. And so I want to back up a little bit. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word into chapter 5. Let's start in verse 11, and then we'll kind of carry through our passage this morning. This is what he says. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, which leads us into our text this morning. Therefore, in light of these things, in light of this call to not be dull of hearing, to be hard of heart, to be immature, sluggish in our faith, this call to grow up into Christ, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works or faith toward God and of instruction about washings or baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then having fall away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God, He's not saying this literally, but in the way that they are living and rejecting this Jesus they say that they know again and again and again. It's like crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless 
and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. This is the word of the Lord. So there's so much in this passage uh, for us to, to tackle, to get at today. Uh, for those of you who've been reading along the reading plan, kind of know where we're going to be this morning, you know like, this is a difficult text. There's, there's a lot in this passage that's hard to kind of understand and, and what's going on here and what do we do with these things, what do these things mean for us. And so this morning, as we walk through this passage, we're going to deal with some of that. Like, what is this passage saying? What do we do with some of the tensions that we see here? But I don't want you to miss... Uh, the most important thing, the main point of this message, uh, because of all of the other things that can distract us in it. So we can talk about what does he mean about moving on and growing past the elementary doctrines of the gospel. Like I thought the gospel was the main thing. What do we do with that? Is, is he saying that you can lose your salvation? What, what do we do with this? Like those are important things to talk about in this text. But the most important thing and the thing that the author is calling his audience to hear when it was written and the Holy Spirit is calling for us to hear today is this, we are called to grow up in Christ. We are called to go on to maturity. We are called to leave childlike ways and pursue Jesus Christ. And so just kind of to set up that idea this morning, I want to ask you to pray for me and pray for my wife. We have a 12 year old in our house. So would you mind just praying for us? We have a middle schooler. We're getting, some of you are nodding your heads like you understand. We're getting ready to have our second middle schooler in the home. So we are in a new phase of parenting. And so this past week we were celebrating uh, Jack's birthday and had asked Jack, you know, what are some of the things you want for your birthday? Like presents and meal and things like that. He wanted hamburgers for his birthday and he wanted to do a bonfire for his birthday. And he had some presents that he wanted to get. They're kind of a little bit older kind of presents, uh, like a watch and things like that. Can you imagine if on his birthday, like he came down and instead of hamburgers for his birthday meal, I gave him a jar of puree, rice and lima beans with a little bit of banana all mashed in there and said, happy birthday, son. Put your candle in it. Let's, let's blow this out together. Hey, we got you a onesie and a new pack of diapers too. You're going to be good to go for the next couple of weeks. He probably would have been a little less than thrilled, right? And you would probably be a little concerned for me as a parent of a middle schooler if that was kind of our plan for a birthday. And here's the reason why that's ridiculous. Children are supposed to grow up. They're not supposed to stay infants. They're supposed to grow. This is the picture of the text that we began a couple weeks ago and we're continuing on. In Christ, we are called to grow. The New Testament, this is so important, the New Testament gives no category for infant Christians who stay infant Christians. We're called to grow, just like children are called to grow up. In fact, we know if a child is not growing, something is seriously wrong, right? And that is the picture of this text. For someone who would say that they are a believer, a Jesus follower, where there is no growth, There is no fruit. And it's this perpetual state of infancy and immaturity. Something is incredibly wrong. We are called to grow up in Christ. We are called to go on to maturity. And that is our big truth this morning. Jesus' followers go on to maturity. 
Jesus followers go on to maturity. I don't want you to miss in the middle of some of the difficult parts of this, ples- this passage the clear charge that the author of Hebrews is giving to us, giving to his audience. Look with me in chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. So there is a leaving behind, a forgetting what lies behind. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3. Forgetting what lies behind and a straining forward toward what's ahead. What does he say here? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. I can't understate it this morning, and we'll probably say it several times as we walk through this passage. If you know Jesus, and you love Jesus, and you want to follow Jesus, and become more like Jesus, we are called to grow. Not to stay where we are, but to grow, to excel, to pursue, to lean in. This is the call of the Christian life. Jesus' followers go on to maturity in the faith. And so to really kind of understand what's happening in this passage, it's important for us to talk about context. And and we've discussed context a lot as we've gone through Hebrews, but I just want to call us back to it just because it's been a few weeks since we've been here together. One thing that's important to note as we walk through this passage, and especially as he talks about leaving the elementary doctrines of the faith and what is he talking about, what are those things, that the audience that the author of Hebrews is writing to is primarily a Jewish audience. So they've grown up with the old covenant teachings, the Mosaic law, and Aaron is the high priest. And so we've seen a lot of these pictures of high priest and law throughout the book of Hebrews. And so for a lot of his readers who would be receiving this, they are wrestling through where do we need to focus on Old Testament covenantal law, keeping these sacrifices, keeping these purification rituals, doing these things that we've grown up as as Jewish children uh, to live out. And what does it mean to be a new covenant people, living by the Holy Spirit, under the blood of Jesus Christ, made new in Christ with a new identity? And there's a tension that's there. And so there are some likely within this church who are pushing the believers back to these old covenant practices, that the the way that you are right before God is through your works, through your religion, through doing the right things, through going through the right rituals. And so that baggage, that context is happening that this author is speaking to. And the same thing happens for us. It's just different. It's just uh, a 21st century approach to that. We all have the religious background that we bring in. And so this morning as we read through this text, we want to kind of read through it with fresh eyes. Lord, what are you calling us to do and pursue as we follow Jesus? And so we see that tension played out in this passage. I think a second thing that's important to note when we talk about the context of what's happening in this call to maturity is the flow of the letter. And so when we began the book of Hebrews, we began talking about how Jesus is the better revelation. That in many times, in many ways, God has spoken to his people through the prophets, through signs, through wonders, through miracles. But now he has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is the true and better revelation. He is the true message. And so with that beautiful reality comes a warning. Pay close attention to the Son. And how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
So if Jesus is the true measure and message of the gospel, if he's the better revelation, if we've seen him through the word, then we must pay close attention. Let's say it a different way. Jesus deserves our greatest attention and our greatest devotion. He is called to be first and foremost in our pursuit. And then we begin to talk about, she goes through the book of Hebrews, how Jesus is the better rest. That rest is not just taking a nap, it's not having a good vacation. Uh, it is a soul rest that's found in Christ alone. A rest that we begin to experience now, but ultimately we'll experience one day when we get to go be with God. And so Jesus is the better rest, but then there's this warning tied to it. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't fail to enter this rest because of the hardness of your heart. And again, the author of Hebrews is speaking to this believing audience. Don't let your hearts grow hard. Strive to enter the rest that's found in Jesus. Strive to be in him. And then now we've come into this point where we're talking about Jesus is the great high priest, that he's greater than Aaron, that he can sympathize with us, that he understands us, that he's gone before us, he's been made perfect through his obedient sacrifice. And so we have a way to God through our advocate, Jesus Christ. And now there's this warning on the other side of this, don't be sluggish in your faith. Don't be sluggish in your faith. Don't fail to mature, don't fail to move on. Don't fall back into sin, but grow in your faith. And so we as believers are called to move on to maturity. And so what does that mean? What, what does that look like? Why should we pursue maturity? So there's really kind of two questions that I want to speak to this morning out of this text that I think that are so important for us. The first one is this, why pursue maturity? Why does this matter? Why should we... Why should we care? A couple of big ideas. The first one is this. The pursuit of maturity is essential, not optional. Why does this matter? Why should we care? Because in the Christian life, pursuing maturity is essential. It's not optional. It's not something that's recommended or something that's for elite Christians or elite Jesus followers. The pursuit and call to maturity is given to every Jesus follower. So if you're here in this room and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, this charge is given to you. It's given to me. It's given to us as the church. It's not optional. It's essential. Look again at verse 1 with me. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. He doesn't say maybe leave or perhaps leave. He says together, plural, us. Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. We are called to leave some things behind. We're not meant to stay where we are. We're meant to press forward. But not only are we meant to leave some beings behind, we're called to grow. Go on to maturity. We're called to press on, to strain forward. In the original language, th this word means to be carried by. And it's a nautical picture. It's like being in a boat out on the water, saying, set the sails open and be carried on, be pushed on by God. Grow into Christ. Don't stay where you are. Let the wind of God's Spirit and the growth of God in you through the Holy Spirit help you grow and pursue toward maturity. We talked about a couple weeks ago as we were walking through chapter 5 that immature, immature we see in this passage. The immature are sluggish. They're satisfied to stay. They're okay where they are. 
But maturity that we see in Scripture in this passage and throughout is active. It's eager to grow. It wants to become more like Christ. And then in verse 3, he says, This we will do if God permits. Meaning, growing up into Christ, growing into maturity, cannot be done by self-effort. Amen? Okay, I'm not sure you're convinced. Growing up into Christ cannot be done by self-effort. Amen? If you listen to me walk through this passage and your takeaway is, I need to go do more, try harder, figure this thing out, be a better Christian, that is not the message of the Bible or this passage. We go on to maturity by the grace of God, through the help of God, in the work of God. And as God is working in us, we respond by repentance and faith and obedience to Him. Amen? This is the call for us. The pursuit of maturity is not something we go do on our own. It is a longing for God and a pursuit of God. And as we are pursuing Him, He helps us grow into maturity. So we see the pursuit of maturity, it's essential, not optional. It's not something we can pass by or neglect. It's something that we are called to as believers. Have you ever been to the beach uh, for vacation? And you're at the ocean, it's like a beautiful day, and you've got the ocean in front of you. And maybe some of you guys have done this if you have really young children. Our children are getting a little older, so we go to the beach, and sometimes we'll see some young families, and they will put a kiddie pool out on the beach. Anybody ever do this or like see this before? You know, it's actually a really clever idea, you know? So if your, your infant doesn't need to be in the ocean, you bring out the inflatable kiddie pool, you pour some water in it, and you just let them play and enjoy the water in a safe environment for them. Well, it, it makes sense because they're an infant, they're a child. But could you imagine like Pastor Daniel going out to the beach and, you know, he's got the ocean in front of him and he's out there blowing up this kiddie pool and he just dives into the kiddie pool, flopping around, you know, on a beautiful summer day. You would look at an adult and say, hey, this is, isn't for you. Like the ocean is in front of you. And some of you might be like, I'm scared of the ocean. I'll stay away from the sharks. Kiddie pool sounds good to me. But in the spiritual life, in the Christian life, a lot of us have become comfortable with the kiddie pool. The ocean of God's grace is in front of us. It's time to set the sail. It's time to step out of the kiddie pool and immature cultural Christianity of kind of just coasting our way through this life and it's time to follow Jesus. It's time to go into the unknown. It's time to step into the fullness of who God has called His church, His people to be. Maturity for a believer is essential, not optional. Children are meant to mature. When a child is not growing up, something is wrong. The New Testament is no category for coasting Christians. We were created to grow. And this passage is a call to us to grow up, to pursue Christ-likeness. The second thing that this passage calls us to, why should we pursue maturity, is this. The neglect of maturity, big idea, neglect of maturity is a path to destruction. The neglect of maturity is a path to destruction. This is the warning. It's the heavy part of this passage. He says, maturity is not optional. 
We are called to grow up in it and to remain in immaturity, to remain in infancy is a path to spiritual destruction. Listen to what he says in chapter 6. Let's look at verse 4 together. For it is impossible in the case of those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God, the powers of the age to come, and have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, holding him up to contempt. This is a serious passage. He's saying for those who stay in their immaturity, their infancy, they are prone to apostasy. What is apostasy? It's the denial of Jesus. Denial of Jesus by the way that we live, denial of Jesus by what we believe. Saying this is what happens when we don't grow up in our faith. And then he gives two examples of what this looks like. He gives this example of ground that is fertile and producing fruit, good fruit, and a a ground that is producing weeds and thorns. The same water, the same rain falls on both ground, but one produces health and then one produces death. He's saying, look at the soil of your life. When the gospel, when God's word is poured out on the soil of your life, is it producing fruit? Is it growing into maturity? Or is it producing death and decay, deadness, thorns, thistles? So again, we could spend a lot of time just trying to unpack all the things that are here. Let me just kind of give some uh, overview statements of what the, the writer is saying and what he's not saying in this passage. Because this passage has been misused a lot to talk about that you can lose your salvation and to kind of bring in some different false doctrines and false teachings. So let's kind of get at the root of what it's saying and what it means for us. This is what it's not saying this morning, which is so important. It is not saying that you can lose your salvation. So he's not talking about someone who is saved and secure in Christ, who has now lost their salvation in Christ. So what is he saying? This is what he's saying. Saving faith is evidenced by growth in Jesus Christ. Saving faith will always be evidenced by growth in Jesus Christ. Christ. So, well, who's he writing to? Is he writing to unbelievers in this section? Or is he writing to almost believers in this section? Or is he writing to Jesus followers in this section? I think the answer is yes. He's talking to the same audience he's been talking to this whole time. And for some of them, they don't know Christ. They've experienced the preaching of the gospel, the enlightening Word of God delivered through Jesus Christ. They have experienced the communion of God's people and fellowship. They've seen the work of the Holy Spirit among the church. They've experienced and tasted some of the kingdom of God breaking in through God's people. They've heard the Word of God preached. But they have never given themselves fully to Christ. And now... Their life has become an opposition to the gospel. That the way that they live denies the cross of Jesus Christ. The way that they live is bringing reproach to the name of Jesus instead of glorifying the name of Jesus. And then for those who are receiving this message, who are genuine believers then and now, 
This is a warning to us as well. Not because we can lose our salvation, but because we should do all the more to be found faithful. All the more to mature. All the more to be aware of our propensity to sin in our own life. And so this passage to us is a warning. The neglect of maturity is a path to destruction. Be warned. Don't stay where you are. Don't be satisfied in your spiritual growth. Don't be content and complacent in following Jesus. Pursue. Grow. Run from sin. Run toward holiness. Follow God. Long for Him. Don't stay where you are. And so there's some things here that I just want to bring out. Two warnings that I want to just call us to mind. These are in your notes. First one is this. Association with Jesus is not devotion to Jesus. Association with Jesus is not devotion to Jesus. These people, this category, this audience, the warning here, they were around the things of Christ. They were around the church. They were around the things of the Spirit. They have proximity to it. But association with Jesus is not the same thing as devotion to Jesus. Brother, sister, are you devoted to Christ? Is He first and foremost in your life? Are you loving Him, pursuing Him, chasing after Him? Jesus deserves our greatest attention, our greatest devotion. Second warning that we see in this passage that we just read is this. A life that continually neglects and dishonors Jesus leads to eternal separation from him. You cannot be a child of God and continually live in a way that defames the name of Jesus Christ. Those two things aren't compatible. It doesn't work. And maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you've walked an aisle, maybe you were baptized at a young age, maybe you made a commitment in youth group or impact or whatever the thing was and is. But a life that belongs to Jesus cannot live in a way that rejects Jesus again and again and again and again. It doesn't work. It's incompatible. It's not who we are as Christians. And I know that brings tension. I know that brings wrestling. And so if you're here this morning and you're you're wrestling through some of these things, first thing I would just encourage you is talk to someone. Even after the service is over, there'll be men and women out at the hub. Come talk. We'd love to help you walk through your walk with Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. Talk to someone with what you're wrestling. If you're looking for resources in your notes, uh, on the notes online, we've got a link to an elder conversation we did about assurance of salvation. We were walking through Second Peter and some of the difficult passages are there. Go watch that elder conversation. Read some of the passages of Scripture that are there. That'll help you. But I don't want us to diminish or miss the weight of this passage. There is a clear warning. A life that continually neglects and dishonors Jesus leads to eternal separation from him. This is why false teaching is so dangerous to the church, not only then, but now. Because false teaching and false teachers, they don't want you to grow in your study of God's word. They appeal to your flesh, encourage you to be okay where you are. They want to help you become a better human being. 
that they're not interested in helping you grow deeper in your pursuit of God's word and obedience to Jesus Christ. Beware of false teaching. It leads to apostasy. It leads to this separation from Christ. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7. He said there's a broad path and a narrow path. The broad path is easy. Many who find it on the way to destruction. The narrow path that's hard, it's difficult. Few find it. And so this message this morning is not to be a message of discouragement or hopelessness. It's a message of warning and hope. Don't fall into that path. Don't fall into that temptation. Don't be led astray to believe that you can be immature and negligent and complacent in your faith. No, we are called to grow up into Jesus Christ. Become more like Him. And there's so much more that we could say about this for the sake of time, I'm going to move us on to a second question. So why is maturity important? We've talked about that for a few moments. The pursuit of maturity, it's essential, not optional in the Christian life. Secondly, the neglect of maturity is a path to destruction. That is why maturity is so central for us to talk about and why it's in this passage. But the second question this morning that's important for us to spend a few minutes wrestling through is this. How do we go on to maturity? How do we go on to maturity? If it's essential and not optional, how do we pursue it? If the neglect of maturity leads to destruction and separation from Christ, how do we pursue maturity? How do we go on to maturity? So what I want to do is just quickly go through this passage, give you a few big ideas. And these are applications for you to, one, self-examine, look at your own life and say, are these things true of me? Are they growing in me? What is my next step in these areas? Who can help me grow in these areas? Because that's what the body of Christ is designed to do. We're called to help one another grow up. But the second thing I I hope it helps you do this morning is I want to encourage you, by the grace of God, Take an honest assessment of your own life. As one of your pastors, I love you. I really do. It's such a joy to get to serve at this church. But my fear for many is that we've stopped growing. We've stopped trying. We've started making excuses in our spiritual walk instead of owning our excuses. We affirm obedience, but we don't practice obedience. That we'll be quick to be authentic and share our struggles, but we don't repent of our sin. Brothers, sisters, let's go on to maturity. And so if you're here this morning, and for some of you, You might be an infant in the faith. You're a new believer. These things are new to you. It's okay to be who you are. We just want to help you grow. Acknowledge where you are. Like I'm young in my faith. I was never taught. I'm a new believer. I need help to grow. Just acknowledge that. Let the body help you grow. Just don't stay there. But for those of us who would call this church our home, who our pursuit of God The word, community, making disciples, holiness, 
is absent to neglected. Brothers, sisters, it's time to grow up. And if this, as we go through this, steps on your toes a little bit, that's okay. It's, it's God's word, not Paul's word, okay? And so let's grow up together. I've not arrived. I'm in this with you. Let's pursue maturity together. So how do we go on to maturity? Four big ideas really quickly. First one is this. We grow in maturity by leaving the elementary doctrine of Christ. We grow in maturity by leaving the elementary doctrine of Christ. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. What does this mean to leave the elementary doctrines of Christ? Well, let's talk about what he's not saying. This is what he's not saying. He's not saying, hey, move past the gospel. You don't need the gospel anymore. Abandon the gospel, move on to deeper spiritual things. That's not what he's saying. That's mysticism. That's not what the author is saying. So what is he saying? This is what he's saying. We never move past the gospel. We move deeper into it. We are called to grow into the deeper realities of the gospel. The gospel affects our doctrine, it affects our marriage, it affects our parenting, it affects the way we live. So we don't move past the gospel, we grow deeper into the gospel. We don't move beyond these realities, we grow into them. This is not an abandonment, this is a a growth and maturing in the way of Christ. You see, I think in the church, uh, we have in the West, in America, and in East Tennessee, in the Bible Belt, we have uh, made conversion, coming into faith as a Jesus follower, we've made that the finish line instead of the starting line. Conversion, coming to faith in Christ, is not the end point. It is the beginning. There's a couple images that we show a lot and equip because they just kind of help frame spiritual growth for us. And I want to show them to you in case you're not normally part of equip. They're in circles. Uh, And if you'll go to the next one, uh, in the next set of circles, what you see is all of this filled in. It's meant to be a picture of spiritual growth in the Christian life. So it begins with conversion, but it grows out. Submission, devotion, comprehension, replication, saturation. And so these circles are supposed to represent imperfectly the Christian life. Go back to the other slide. But for many of us, what has happened is this is what the Christian life looks like for us. It's conversion. And then you see all those empty circles? That's the maturing. That's the growth. And we've treated conversion like the finish line. Oh, you prayed a prayer. You walked an aisle. You've, you, you made a decision. Great, you're in. You're good. No, Jesus has so much more for you. It's time to grow up. It's time to become more like Christ. Can you imagine watching a race, uh, like a a running race? The gun goes off and the athletes take off and one of the sprinters stops 10 yards into the race and kind of walks back. And then just starts again and walks back. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I just want to get this part down. It's like, the race is going on. It's like, no, the race is going on. Run the race. You're going to lose the race. And so many of us, we've kind of stayed surface level in our faith, surface level in Christianity. Instead of running the race that God has given to us, this is what it means to grow up in maturity. Then you can look at your Bible. He gives some examples of this. 
There's, kind of, there's three sets of two that we see. First, we see repentance and faith. Second, we see baptism and blessing. And third, you see resurrection and judgment. And what he's saying in this passage is that for many of the believers in the church, they were camping out here. Again, look at verse 2. Or verse 1 and verse 2. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. Well, is he saying that we shouldn't repent of dead works and move to faith in God? Well, no, he's not saying that. That's important. But we should grow past that. We should move on. What about the, the washings and the rituals? Well, those are important, but we should grow deeper into that. Resurrection, eternal judgment, those things are important. We should know those things. But we need to grow past that. We need to grow into those things. I could give you all kinds of examples this morning where we get stuck talking about controversies that don't help us grow up in our faith. We wrestle through different things like end times and all the metaphors and pictures and things that are there. And should we know that? Should we understand those things? Should we read Revelation? Absolutely. But it's time to grow up into the implication of those things. The message of Revelation was not given to give us every single detail about the second coming of Christ. It was given to us so that we would persevere. We would remain faithful. We would overcome. We would look to Jesus, the Lamb who's slain, who's coming again. That's the message. But we major on the minors. We, we miss the growth and maturity in those things. So we're called to leave behind the elementary doctrine of Christ to pursue and to grow into the things of God. How do we do that? Through help. We need one another. We need the teaching of God's people. We need encouragement in the faith. So we leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Second big idea in this section is this. We grow in maturity by second, learning to train in the truth learning to train in truth. So I won't spend much time here. Pastor Daniel did a couple weeks ago. You can go back and listen to the message from Hebrews chapter 5. But what is maturity? Maturity is several things. It is being eager to hear instead of being dull to hear. It's the desire to know, to hear God's word. Second, it's being skilled in the word of righteousness. To be skilled in it, to grow and study God's word for it to become part of your life. Third, to train through constant practice. So we're not just studying God's word and memorizing God's word, but we are doers of the word, living out the word, walking in obedience to it. And fourth, we grow in discernment to distinguish good from evil. So we're called to be people who can see the difference between good, see the difference between evil. That comes through constant practice. That comes through being in the word and the practical implications of that. So eager to hear, skilled in the word, constant practice, growing discernment. These are ways we grow up into maturity as Jesus followers. So we leave behind the doctrines of Christ, the elementary doctrines, the, the basic principles. We grow into the word of truth. We do that by training in the truth and living these things out again and again. Third big idea in this section is this. We grow in maturity by longing for God's help. By longing for God's help. Again, look at verse 3. And this we will do if God permits. Well, is he saying that for some Christians, for some of us, we really want to grow and become more like Jesus, but God's going to say, no, I'm not going to let you? Is that what he's saying? No, that's not what he's saying, right? 
God wants you to grow up to become more like Christ. The Father wants you to become more like the Son. The Holy Spirit's job is to magnify the Son. So when he says, if God permits, what he's saying is God wants you to become more like Jesus Christ. He's going to help you. Said this many times. Say it again. God is more committed to making you like Jesus than you are committed to becoming like Jesus. That's good news. So he's growing us. So we long for God. Our maturing in Christ is always an overflow of our abiding in Christ. It is that pursuit of Jesus, not to get something, not to check off a box, but to become more like him and to be with him that grows us and matures us. So we grow in maturity by longing for God's help. The last big idea this morning is this. We grow in maturity by looking at the fruit of our lives. By looking at the fruit of our lives. So again, going back to this section that's kind of confusing, verses 4 through 8 for us. This is the point of that section. What fruit is your life producing? your speech, your thoughts, your conduct, your love that look like Jesus. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Is it growing in you? Or is what's being produced in your life look the opposite of Christ? that look like thorns and thistles. So we are called to examine ourselves, look at the fruit of our lives. A great question that I think very few of us tend to ask is this, to go to another brother or sister in Christ who's maturing in their faith and say, how do you think I need to grow? What are you observing in my life that needs to change? How can you help me grow up in the Christ? Brothers, sisters, are we trying to pursue Jesus by the grace of God through the help of the Holy Spirit? Are we growing up or are we satisfied to remain in our immaturity, to remain stagnant? So what I want to do is, as we wrap up our time together and the team can come up, they're going to lead us into time of response. What I want to do is just read a quote from pastor, author, Tom Schreiner. And this is what he says, and I think it helps catch the essence of this passage. I'm just going to pray for you. He says this, The author of Hebrews teaches that spiritual maturity doesn't depend fundamentally on intellectual ability. It's not correlated with theological depth or the ability to grasp theological truth. This is important. I want you to listen to this. Don't check out. The readers... The listeners, the hearers, were spiritual infants because they weren't putting into practice what they had learned. There is no idea here that we can be confident of the salvation of those who remain spiritual infants for years and years and years. The readers, the hearers, because of their infancy, are slipping away toward a denial of Jesus. Those who are spiritual infants cannot remain where they are They will either go forward into maturity or they will fall away. There is no in-between. So for us, 
brothers, sisters, let us go on to maturity. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you this morning independence, recognizing our need for your help and your grace. We ask now that you would help us because we can't do it on our own. By your spirit, help us to grow up. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.